Welcome back to Toys on Tap. This week we have an incredible artist coming on, Depressed Monsters. One of my favorite artists. You can see the journey and hear the ups and downs in Ryan's voice as he talks about how the brand started in the depths and how it continued through mountains and valleys and has continued to shine and be a light for many of those around it and has been so good to see grow. If you want to jump on and support this podcast, you can rate and review, like, subscribe, wherever you get podcasts. You can throw us a follow on social media at Toys on Tap. Send us a review that tells me how much you love Toys on Tap. Now let's get to this week's episode of Toys on Tap. Yo, yo, yo. What's up? Depressed Monsters in the house. What's up? How you doing? Good. Dude, I'm so stoked to have you. Yearman's right in the background. Is this a studio? Yeah, this is my studio. I've been packaging orders today, so it's a little messy, but this is the studio. Dude, so sick. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. This is awesome. I'm really, really stoked to talk to you today. I'm. What's cool is you aren't the typical artist that fits on. Cause like you do like murals and shirts and like all kinds of, and then you started making toys, but I'm stoked because the toys are dope. You made stuffed Thank animals you. like, and then just tracking your like trajectory and how it shifted a little bit from 2015 to like just clothing to now all of this empire style stuff. It's so sick to see it. Dude, that's like, man, thank you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like weird to hear it from, outside my own brain you know so like it's cool to to see that you kind of looked through it and saw that i think like um the the toy thing like i just started as a fan of toys you know yeah. and like that was the big reason why i wanted to even do any of this stuff is just because i have always loved and collected toys and so it was cool to you know try it on my own and all that stuff but yeah thanks man that's that's super nice of you i do want to dive into your love and desire for toys obviously this is toys on yeah but before we do that Please tell everyone who you are, what you do, plug yourself. Yeah, heck yeah. Um, so my name is Ryan Bronte. I go by Depressed Monsters. Um, it started in 2012, basically, uh, is what I say the the you know, the the brand was born just because that's when my grandfather passed. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started making little self-portraits as a way to cope. And so um I was doing like little watercolor paintings, you know, like I collected art. I loved art. I was really big into like the Mondo scene. So I was collecting like Ollie Moss, Mike Mitchell, Tyler Stout. And then I started yeah. collecting a lot of Obey, stuff like that. Right. And so, you know, everybody that I think everybody that loves art and collects art eventually wants to play around with it, I think, like for the most part. And so when my grandfather passed, I was like, you know, I kind of want to just like express myself in ways I've never really expressed my myself. And so, you know, I've, I've always drawn since I was a kid or whatever. And so I was like, I'm just going to start doing this as a way to just see my feelings out there. And this is before I knew about art therapy and all that stuff. Right. And so I started doing these little like universal monsters with these little uniform bodies and they were called depressed monsters. And mm -hmm. I was like, these are, these are helping me like get out of bed and like focus on my day and all that stuff. And then eventually after like, I think maybe like, a couple months of me just not leaving the house getting really dark this little yeti came out and it and it was it was like furry and approachable and i was like okay no that's how i'm feeling like that's it's not these universal monsters or this or that like i'm feeling like this little fuzzball right here where i'm like i don't know how to deal with these emotions like 
I, you know, whatever it is. And so it was, it was a lifesaver, literally. Like I, I started leaving the house. I started going to coffee shops. I started just really focusing on waking up every morning and drawing this little monster. And uh, eventually, you know, I put it online and people started really, you know, liking it and saying, oh, that is cool. Like that means something to me. I can see in the eyes that you're going through something like all that stuff. And I was like, okay, this is neat how someone can see my art and see how I'm feeling. So anyway, long story short, I put it on a, on a batch of shirts. The first batch sold out. And I was like, okay, like maybe there's something here. Mm-hmm. And so all these years later through murals, toys, partnerships, all these different things, we're now on Hot Topic where I donate to their Hot Topic Foundation. I've donated to uh, mental health agencies for the past, you know, damn near 10 years at this point. Um, Trevor Project, Jed Foundation I've worked with. And I just really try to give back and be a conscious capitalist, you know, because unfortunately most people want to hoard things and i'm like no if i can help people then that's that's where i think the real power is and in, in, in all this stuff and you know i think people get it and people get it tattooed now which is a huge compliment and i don't know it's just been it's been a wild journey um and i'm always happy to you know kind of recant it and look back and figure out how i've gotten here which is i think always important because i'm always like i'm the kind of guy that, like looks forward all the time so it is yeah. nice to kind of look back sometimes it's cool because i think you know it, it's hard to being in the toy scene, so much of it feels like it's without a purpose. Like for me, there's a purpose, mm-hmm. but um, making my own characters and stuff, sometimes it's just like me messing around. But when I look at you and like see the progression from then until now, um, art with a purpose is what comes to mind. And we don't find that that often uh, because the per- your purpose is like outward. So much of our art with a purpose is inward. But man, you are killing it with that. Thank you so much. That really means a lot. It's 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 tough because like I'm in I'm in the I'm in the weeds every day, right? And so yeah. like it's easy for me to like get down on myself, like, oh, I should have done this. I should have got up and painted this. I should have done that. Like, you know how it is as an artist. Like yeah. you're always beating yourself up and like, oh, I should have done this different, and all that stuff. So it is nice to hear um, you know, that the path is is clear or whatever. But uh yeah, it's it's been it's been interesting. I think from a from a toy perspective, I released my first toy in 2013 or 2014 i think it was um and so you know the designer toy scene was so different back then um it isn't like this hype beast culture that it is now where you know people are collecting things to resell and like people really just love to buy toys and i fell in love with that with that love of of collecting right and so you know i've always collected toys i've always collected you know whether it's like kenner star wars store star wars stuff or like um I was really big into um, like just 90s stuff for a long time. And when, as soon as I went to my first designer con, um, which was 2000, I think 11, um, I exhibited with a friend of mine. We were called the 80s kids. We did all 80s inspired stuff. And awesome. I think 2011 was the first designer con. And so we were just making stuff of like putting pop culture stuff together, basically bootleg stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and, which is why I'm so ingrained in, in, in the bootleg scene. And um, it was super fun. And ever since that first designer con that I went to, and I just started seeing what the scene was and just seeing what Mishka's doing or seeing what, you know, Jerkface or whoever was doing it and, and you know, meeting John from Spanky Stokes and like all these different people or whatever, I started realizing just how nice everybody was and how cool everybody is. And I was like, I want to be a part of this. Like, this is my, these are my kind of weirdos, right? And so when I stopped doing the 80s kids thing and I started really focusing on my own character, it was really important to me to get it right. Because if I wanted to enter the scene as a visual artist, I wanted it to be respectful of the scene. And I also wanted to make something that I was super, super proud of. And so I waited, you know, a couple of years before I was, I was comfortable. And I actually worked with um, 
there's a really famous artist from, I believe, Singapore, maybe it's Philippines, named Wetworks. Mm -hmm. And I'm a huge fan of Wetworks. I've always been a huge fan of Wetworks. And he sculpted my first toy. And so it was like this huge win for me where I was like, damn, like, I love this artist so much. And like, the respect must be mutual because he doesn't really collab with people that much. And so it was really sick to just get that thing in the mail for the first time and go, okay, this shit is real now. Like, I'm holding it in like 3D. And I think that's the difference with toys besides like a mural or whatever. Like, you get to actually hold it and play with it in the physical space and put it places. And I just think that's so important with art. Yeah, you know, uh, it's cool. The on the flip side, it's hard to convince people that aren't in the scene that those toys are art. Like that's right. That's the reverse, right? And um, I have toys in my office. They're like it's crazy. They're like this, and then I have like a shelving unit behind me that are just resin toys. Um, and it's hard to explain. So I work with teenagers, and they'll come in, and they're like, "Hey, like." what do you just, uh, what do you do? Do you play with these during the day or <laughs> and it's like, no, I don't. But what's cool is that earthworm gym figure that's in its packaging. Perfect on the wall. I met yeah. the guy that sculpted that. And so like, Oh, that's cool. So it's like, that's, that's the, the tie for me is like, this is art, not for you, but for me, this is art. Also nostalgia. Yeah. Oh, for, I mean, the nost- we're all victims of nostalgia at this point, right? Like it's almost becoming like this weird, like, it's almost like a, a bad acid trip at this point yep. because it's like this loop of like nostalgia feeding into it. It's like that snake that's eating itself. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way to get away from it because now everything being made is based in nostalgia because it's like, I I have this, uh, I think I said this on another podcast, but like, I feel like nostalgia is the most dangerous drug that we have in society right yeah. now because it's not allowing us to push forward artistically. It's not allowing us to create new ideas and have new IPs and all that stuff. Like I can't tell you how many times that I exhibit and somebody comes up and says, what is this from? And I go, mm. oh, it's just, it's just from my brain. Like I, I, you know, it's just from my brain and they go, Oh, but like, is it from, is it a cartoon or is it, I go, no, it's like, I drew it, you know, like, and people just aren't used to it, you know? And like, and that's fine. Like, I'm not trying to change the scene or like whatever. I'm just trying to fit in the scene, but it is hard to have like your own character and try to market your own character without relying on any kind of pop culture or anything like that, because people just don't want to buy something they don't know from like another IP. And so it's crazy. Like I'm doing uh, LA Comic Con in December, and this is my first convention since uh, like Designer Con like five years ago. And I think it's going to be the first time that that Yerman's kind of playing in pop culture. And I'm excited about it. Like, I've been so scared of it for so long. And I've been because because my roots are in bootleg Mm -hmm. that like, I've I've been scared to bring my character back into the bootleg realm. And I've I've come up with a really cool idea, I think, where he can kind of play in it that I'm, I'm stoked for. And uh, it's going to be fun to kind of work in nostalgia again, just from a personal like artistic standpoint, just to do at conventions and stuff like that. But I'm stoked on it. Yeah. Uh, you know, what you're talking about is so crazy. Uh, like we, it is the thing that kills, but also dry. Like um, when yep. we, when we go to designer con um, a lot of the resin toy designers work with a guy named dove and, um, and oh, I know dove. Yeah. It, dude, dove is so sick. I, I wish yeah, I could convey best. how much I love that guy. Um, <laughs> but like down this alley, all these different artists and it's this resin alley area and they've got like, oh, we've made this version of 
I don't know, some Ewok that is whatever. It's crystal. It has stuff in it. Um, or like we've made this toy with ties to Playmates or it looks like this. It has um, – and it's awesome because people will buy the things that they recognize and love and all those things. But you're right on introducing new IP um, because, man, it is like – like it becomes crickets at some point yes. because people don't know what to do with new um, and they try to continually connect it to something they can relate with, which I think is a human problem. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think it's like a social media problem at this point, too. I think that the internet was the worst thing that ever happened to art. Um, you know, as for all the the perks that have happened for being able to put your work out there, it has made it so, you know, people, there's just, you know, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but people yeah. can be very negative about it or people have their opinions and all. It is what it is. Luckily, I have a pretty positive atmosphere around my brand that for the most part i haven't found a lot of negativity in fact most negativity that i find is from other artists like mm. i'm such a collaborative person and like for the most part the strife in my career is from other artists trying to make my career harder yeah. and it's like why would you do that if you know the struggle that comes with making something why would you try to make it worse off for somebody else like but that's a whole side note, side conversation. But the thing with Dove and like what and what you make and all these things, like I love it so much because it is it is so art focused. It's yeah. it's a it's a love language and it's a love letter to things that we all love. Like it's so different than what other people are doing. And it's like I don't know. Like we have um, I'm sometimes on this Twitch channel uh, called Hot Dad Radio, and we have Dove on it when he's doing his DoveCon and our DKE Con. It should be called DoveCon. Let's be real. <laughs> and, uh, and so he, he'll come on and show all the toys and stuff like that. And I just love how geeked out he gets. Like, and, well, I mean, Dove getting geeked out is is pretty monotone, but you know, as as geeked out as he gets, um, you can see the excitement. You know, and he lights up when he sees certain things, and just the way he talks about it is so different than other curators. Like, it's just I don't know. I love Dove the pieces as well. I just think he's a very special person. Yeah, I think what's crazy, and I, I mean, we're going to dive back into you, but as a like a last thing that I was thinking <laughs> about is like, um, I don't know how to convey because so many people are in this scene, right? Like it's mm -hmm. increased even since I jumped in in 2020. It's like tripled, quadrupled, whatever. Um, there's not a way to convey to each one of them like, man, you are bringing out my inner artist every day, every time I see your work, every time um, I see everything that is created, like you're bringing out parts of me that I didn't know existed. And so, yeah. Thank you. Oh, me personally? Well, you and then the like wow, all the artists that make that, toys. And it's like, yeah. Thank you. That's that's a huge compliment. I mean, for, I thought you were talking about Dove there. So I was just like shaking my head in agreement. But yeah, <laughs> thank you, dude. That's yeah, that's a huge compliment. Thank you so much. Um, that's how I feel about art artists too. Like I I am very much an artist artists. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. love talking to other artists, I love collaborating with other artists, I like putting on for other artists. Like I love seeing other artists win because this this industry is so fucking hard yeah and it's getting harder by the day like the the world of of like when i entered the scene it was extra like it was exponentially easier in so many different ways like it still had its its hardships and all that stuff but it was just easier because there wasn't as much competition you know what i mean and like mm -hmm. there was there was pockets and like you could go to you know designer con and, and have conversations with frank kozik and like 
There was no gatekeepers. It was beautiful. And then as the art world has kind of exploded in different ways, and the designer toy scene especially, as it's, you know, like now it's like a StockX thing where like everyone's just buying Takashi Murakami and, and cause because they can flip it for however fucking yeah. much money. And don't get me wrong. I'd love to be included in that conversation, but it, it's kind of ruining the the sanctity and 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 the beautifulness of, of of what the designer toy scene was and is and it's and that's artists making something because they fucking love to make it and it's being lost now because you see different artists that i don't i don't want to call i shouldn't call people's names but you see our artists on instagram sometimes and you're like motherfucker you're just making that because you're trying to be you're trying to make money and like yeah. the you know like when when an artist is just focused on capitalism and just focused on making money it just ruins the authenticity for me where i'm like i'm never going to support that because you're not making it from like an authentic place of just wanting to make something cool so yeah to circle back to your compliment thank you because the, i'm so inspired by just like i don't know people making things and doing things too like i just think it's such a beautiful thing and how lucky are we that we get to do that right yeah, you know, with the nostalgia piece too, going back to that, um, the thing that I'm excited for is like finding things that aren't nostalgic yet or people yeah. haven't found them nostalgic yet. Um, and one of the things uh, later this year, we're hosting, Toys on Tap is hosting uh, an art show at Toy Du Jour about, oh, uh, cool. and the theme is all on Furbies. And <laughs> like oh, people haven't found out like, I don't know. It was just never something that people are like, oh, I crave that now. I miss those. Like, no one yeah. ever missed a Furby. And so to have now an art show trying to create that nostalgia, that's what I'm here for. Bro, that's so cool. I've been thinking a lot about Furbies lately. So it's very apropos that you just said that. Um, I love Uncut Gems. So, like, that Furby yeah. necklace is always stuck in my head. Um, but, dude, I had that thought the other day of like, I wanted to turn, because I drew a Furby. I wish it, I don't know where it is. It's a notebook somewhere. I drew like a Yerman Furby the other day. And I was like, that's fucking cool. But like, I can't do anything with it. Um, that's, dude, I can't wait to see pictures from that art show, man. That's so sick. Yeah. Off air, we'll talk more about it because okay. I want to hear more about this Furby. Um, but so you you talked about how you loved like toys and have always loved collecting. Let's go yeah. back to that point. Let's see, like, what does it look like to start collecting early years for you and toys and yeah. and the influence they had on you even growing up? We interrupted this broadcast of Toys on Top to bring you this. Meanwhile, in a galaxy of bootleg treasures. DOV2, we have an engine failure! We must crash land on DKE Toy Planet! Oh my! We're doomed! Wait! Salvation! Hooray! We've saved DOV2! Limited edition custom artist made action figures and DKE Toys! Check out www.dkatoys.com for a full catalog. Hooray for custom action figures! Uh, okay. So I think that's like a multi-tiered response. So basically, yeah. um, when I was a kid, I was a collector. Like I've, I've just been a collector since I was a kid. I was, yeah. um, you know, my uncle collected star Wars toys. He collected heavy metal memorabilia. And so I remember being a kid and just being heavily inspired by that. Like I, I would buy, you know, like I grew up in the nineties, so it was peak toy making time, you know, like, yeah. um, I, I I collected a lot of Star Wars growing up and a lot of like comic book stuff. I, I think we all did, right? And so I, I I still have Star Wars toys from Power of the Force line that I just never opened. And yeah. I'm just now starting to trade those into like Zia Records here in town just because I need the space back. And like, they just don't 
you know, I've, I've enjoyed them enough. It's time to move on and someone else can enjoy them. Um, and so, yeah, like as a kid, just heavy collector, comic books, all that stuff, toys especially were just super inspirational to me. I would sit there and just draw, you know, toy designs and all that stuff. And then as I got older, um, I graduated college with a degree in marketing. And so I started working corporate jobs and all that stuff. And in my first house that I got, um, I had a toy room that was strictly just covered head to toe in toys. And at that time, the 40-year-old version had just come out. And that's what my <laughs> dad called me, right? And so, uh, you know, like, it was just, it was cool. Like, I, I I love Back to the Future. I collect a lot of Back to the Future stuff. And so, like, I had DeLorean stuff everywhere. Um, a lot of, like, Marvel Legends stuff. So I had, like, the big, like, Sentinel, like, you know, with the scene of him fighting the X-Men and um, what else do I have in there? I love hot toys uh, from Sideshow. I think those are some of the most beautiful toys on the market right now. Um, right. And then, but now currently, like I've kind of like taken a step back from collecting because I have too much shit. And so yeah. I'm kind of going in like a cleanse mode right now where I'm trying to just like, just move stuff to better homes that can enjoy it a little bit more than I can give the respect to those toys for because there's energy in toys I feel like and like if someone can can you know have that in their home and enjoy it more than I can kind of give it right now then I think that's important so I mean I was at San Diego Comic-Con a couple weeks ago like I said and like I didn't really buy anything and I was mm -hmm. like shocked by that because usually I'm just like I got bags on bags and bags like I think the only things that I got were um I got stuff like affiliated with the art scene. So I, I've been wanting an Alex Party original for a while. So I splurged on um on on one from Alex, which was cool. Had a little, you know, it's always cool talking to Alex. Um I bought a punk drunkers uh Funko Pop just because it was yep. like an easy $20 to spend. Um I think I have the stuff behind me, but yeah, it's like I just buy I just try to buy stuff that like supports the art scene at this point. Like I think that's what's important to me about collecting now is like. I'd rather give my money to an artist making things than a Hasbro or yeah. Mattel because they don't need fucking money. You know, like I'd rather, I'd, I want to stop feeding the machine and start feeding the other machine of like artists surviving, you know, because yeah. I think that's important. So that's kind of where my collecting is kind of geared toward now. Yeah. And it takes a lot. Like I think the toys for me hit a certain point where they're old enough, so it's like I'm I'm not even giving to this machine anymore. Like I'm giving yeah. to other people that have collected. <laughs> my right. wife has talked about like what does it look like to cleanse some of this stuff? And my collection is not even a whole room; like it's maybe a wall. Nice. And to already have the conversation of like, what's it look like to cleanse some of this? It's like, <laughs> well, like I don't know. <laughs> yeah. like, you tell me, babe. <laughs> yeah, you cleanse something. Yeah, and and so it's it's cool. Um, <laughs> I did I did fall victim to the uh, um man uh, the retro Marvel Legends three seven five. I oh, did. Yeah. I was like, yeah. okay, I will Those start getting these new ones. Um, and like, but I didn't start collecting that until it was like. I don't know, earlier this year when they had already been discontinued. So like now I'm having to go backwards and collect. Yep. No, I feel you. Um, luckily, I feel like it's an addiction gene with me. So like once I buy one, I'm like, I got to get them all yep. now. You know, yep. like I, I just start getting dirty with it. So I try to avoid the toy aisle at Walmart when I go or Target or whatever, just because I know like 
I'm just one purchase away from getting the entire DC universe line again, or like yep. any of that stuff. Um, I just can't do it. So yeah, yeah, it's 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 hard, especially because some of the new toys are like going back down to prices when we were kids. Like yes. the new Ninja Turtle line is nine ninety seven right now, a piece, which like, is smart. Which yeah. is smart. They're, you know, like you they're have to lock me in. Yeah, I dude, I I can't. Uh, I know, dude. I love Ninja Turtles so goddamn much. Um, it's it's gonna be hard for me not to buy this new line too. I feel like what I've been doing lately is I've been trying to get like staple pieces. Yeah, and so there's like certain things that I have alerts for on like Mercari or or eBay. Like the one that I'm really searching for right now is an old wrestling figure that came out in like 2011, I think. It's Andy Kaufman. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a huge Andy Kaufman fan, and so he had he there was a toy that came out with him versus jerry the king lawler and um it's got andy with like a neck brace and all that stuff and i want it so bad but like it's you know it's like 120 bucks because they only made a small run of it but yeah that's the one that i'm kind of on the search for right now and then um yeah my collecting is just like different now like i used to just i don't know i feel like i just I don't know. It's weird. Like I, I, I collected everything that I really wanted from artists that I really, really like. I started doing the NFT thing for a while, like NFT art people, you know, artists that were getting into the NFT space that were offering, you know, uh, exclusives through their NFT stuff. So like Michael reader, um, reader one, he's an artist that I really, really look up to. Uh, he did a, a web three project earlier last year. And if you collected 10 of them, then he would send you a one of one print signed that static medium printed which i'm just like dude his prints are like four grand so if i could like jump in at that price and get a like a a one of one like that just was cool to me and i think that like the designer toy world hasn't super jumped into the web3 space yet and that's kind of what i'm trying to figure out right now um i have a, a generative project that i've been working on for like two or three years and the art's all done now it's just like trying to put a team together to like do it right because i just don't have the time like i'm one person running a lifestyle brand and like i'm so adhd that like as you could probably tell from this conversation i was like jumping everywhere um <laughs> but like I want to do a little bit of everything, you know? And so like one day I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to work on this web three thing. I want to work on a painting or I want to work on this, or I have to ship orders or I have to organize the studio or I have to do a live stream or I have to do this or that. Like I just, it's gotten to a point now where I just have to delegate a little bit better. And I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to work with one of my really close friends, Derek, who's come on as like a project manager and he's, he, I just love him to pieces and I trust him. And that's so rare to find in this world, you know, to find someone that you love and respect and trust and, you know, has your back and it's, you know, he's, he's starting to get me a little bit more organized, which is nice because it's a lot like right now, like, you know, it's a lot going on and I'm very fortunate and I'm, I'm, I'm lucky and I, and it's been a lot of fucking work. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's also lucky to, to do that in this world, in this, in this art world right now. So it's cool to have him come on board and just like, keep me clean. I'm like, what are we doing with hot topic? I'm like, I don't fucking know. You tell me like, I, you know, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just draw stuff. I just work here. Like that's my new mantra. Like I just work here. Yeah. Just, just let me draw cool stuff and like, please just help me on the rest so it's been cool like bless up shout out to derek what a what a good man it's <laughs> you're trying to quiet quit from your own company <laughs> yo <laughs> shit dude the way you just said that's hilarious um yeah i've done that i think that's why like i, I, I my mantra this year is i'm just happy to be here yeah. like honestly i'm just happy to be here i've survived 
a lot of stuff in my past. Like last year, it got really dark again. I didn't think I was going to be here. I kind of disappeared for a while last year. A lot of stuff's happened this past couple of years with everybody. But like, I, it, I'm just happy to be here and alive and make this stuff and just do these things. And I'm just, I just am thankful. And I think living out of gratefulness has been like the biggest change this year because I have tried to quiet quit a lot, like so many times. And I think as artists, we all do that, you know, like, I don't know if this is like this for you, but my brain doesn't shut off. Like my Never. brain is constantly going yeah. and to be laying there in bed every night and just like, you know, you're, you're like, dude, just shut up, please. Just, please just let me just go to sleep. Yeah. And there's been so many times where I'm like, if I just quit doing this and just did something else, I wouldn't have to do this anymore. I could just go, you know, frivolously live and just you know like i think there's such a weight on artists and there's such a weight on creatives in general to constantly produce and it's self-imposed and a lot of it's society imposed and all that stuff like i think a lot of it's the algorithms you know if i don't post every day that i'm I'm forgotten or i'm disappearing or all that stuff and i think the most powerful thing that i did this year is just i basically just said fuck you to social media where i was like i'm gonna post when i want to post i don't care anymore the people that like me and want to follow me and want to like support me are going to find me and they're going to search it out and it's been so good for my own mental health because i'm like i don't give a shit anymore <laughs> like i'm quiet quitting in like other ways at this point like i don't want to quiet quit on my brand or like my creations like i want to quiet quit on the sucky part of all this stuff and that's social media for me yeah uh as you i mean let's i want to get down into this nitty-gritty of your history um okay. we we have the tragedy uh, uh, of the loss of a loved one and it sparks what's so tough is it like in the midst of tragedy it sparks a career it sparks everything that you've done and it kind of breathes life into that um walking through that dark period it kind yeah. of feels sometimes like you have blinders on and not knowing what you're going to do next mm -hmm. and when you happened upon this creative little yeti character how did it like, how did you know that this was gold for you? Like, this was what was going to get you going? I think because I never thought about it as a capitalistic pursuit. Yeah. And I hate to keep bringing it up like that, but I never did. Like, and it's, I still don't. Like, to me, the character has this wild energy to it that I still haven't tapped into fully. And it, it like there's this really famous Michael Jackson quote that I really like. Um, and you know, I know Michael Jackson's divisive as a pop culture <laughs> icon, but I still really love Michael Jackson. Yeah. And um, and he has this quote where they're asking how he wrote Billy Jean, I think it was, or maybe it's Smooth Criminal, I can't remember. And he starts sitting there and he goes, Well, I came up with a baseline. He he does like and then all of a sudden he goes. And from there, I don't remember. And I'm like, what the fuck? And he and he starts talking about how there was a higher self that he attunes to that flows through him that that's how he creates. And I really, truly believe that. Like, I truly believe that we all have this higher artistic creative self. I think that humans in nature are creative. And because, I mean, just look at the world around you. It's all, I mean, there's art and everything. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the character was always a vessel to carry me forward. And I truly believe that it was a gift from my grandfather in a lot of ways. Um, he was a 33rd degree Mason. He was a um, Zelza Shriner. He dressed up like a clown and visited sick kids in the hospital. He always gave back. He always gave too much of himself. And 
because he just wanted people to be happy around him. He was very much like a Robin Williams type character of like, I will die before anybody's unhappy around me. Yeah. And it was beautiful. Like he was a beautiful, beautiful person. And so I truly believe that there is an aspect of this character coming to fruition as a way, not only to save myself, but also to keep my grandpa's memory alive in different ways and also to help other people. And now that I'm seeing it tattooed on people and like seeing it in retailers that I grew up with and just these crazy things, I'm like, yeah, like that's what it is. It's not about me. Like this character has never been about me. And so that's why when like, when I do these, so I just got back from a three month tour that um, I booked earlier this year. And, you know, I've been, I, I drove 2000 miles in five days, like last month. It's just, it's been a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the, the reason I did it is because, I mean, like I didn't want to, I didn't want to like, you know, get up every day at 5 a.m. and drive and, and get to these markets, set up, set up a booth, set up a, all this stuff, have conversations with people for six hours, tear it down and just be completely exhausted by the end of the night. But the reason I did it is because I wanted to get back in touch with people again. I mean, it's been such an isolating couple of years. Um, I experienced a lot of those emotions that I felt when my grandfather passed that I was starting to get I was starting to distance myself from like why it is that I do this and that's to connect with people. And so I, I, I ended up canceling the rest of it because I just couldn't do it anymore. Like the burnout is, it was starting to affect me a lot, but it made me realize like the power of this character is still very much there. Like whenever I sell a plush to somebody in person, it's so different than selling it on a website or selling it on a live stream or selling it on, you know, through hot topic or whatever it is. Whenever I sell a plush, this is a long answer to your question, and, and I swear I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, <laughs> I always say, like, this is my Yerman, and it's the Yerman on the table. Like, this is mine. This is my self-portrait. But when you take yours home, you name it. You you brush the hair out of its face. You get close with it, and it's yours now. And Yerman is just the species name of the character. Now you get to name it, and you get to make it yours. And it's it's been cool to see everyone's, like, names they come up with, the different places they take it. I mean, people send me pictures of them taking it to festivals, like – I've seen it like Rolling Loud or whatever that one's called and Life is Beautiful, Coachella. And it's just cool to see the adventures that people take theirs on now. And so I'm trying to create more products that have that kind of like adventure built into it, you know, like a choose your own adventure type thing, but like more ingrained with a story. And so the plush has been like the first aspect of that. And I'm trying to figure out what the next is for that avenue. And it's been cool. Like, because you're right like it does come from a really dark place but i try to bring as much light to it and as much like positivity to the brand as possible because it i i I can easily get dark like you know i think all of us can we all have that inside of us and i'd rather just operate in positivity instead of negativity because that's the only reason i'm still here on the earth and you know i think a lot of us are is that we choose to be positive it's a choice you know instead of dealing in that negative energy all the time. So I don't know if that answered it. I kind of just rambled there for a while, but I hope you got some gems out of it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And even if I didn't, my editing skills are off the charts now. So we're good. That's what's up. That's what's up. (laughs) Um, What's cool is the way that you described your man earlier was this like, he has so many big emotions in there. Um, There's this thing with dogs and my dog does this. Um, if they have too many big emotions, they'll go grab a stuffed animal or something and bring it to you. It's not for you. It's just they got too many big feelings. And so then they That's like cute. shake. And yeah, so like Yerman already connects to like my dog who's like getting older and never dying, but he's getting older. Um, yeah, I like that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, but um, so you like what's interesting too is you took the brand 
without wanting it, it's almost like didn't want to create a brand but created the brand and it had a purpose to it made the shirts those started going and then jumped from shirt to toy what's that progression because yeah. that's a cool progression usually we're like toy and then we'll create merch so you went the other way yeah. what's that like why was that i think um it's easy for me to like have an answer now because i'm looking back but i think yeah. at the time when i was thinking i've always been really inspired by cartoon network and adult swim mm -hmm. um adventure time regular show uh even back before that space goes coast to coast, like all yeah. that stuff. Right. And I wanted to build a world for my character, but I wanted to do it in a non-conventional way because basically my whole goal is like, I want to build my merch line out. So that way when it becomes a cartoon, I have all the rights to it already. So that's yeah. always been my goal, you know, um, because I have friends that are artists and like, they have managers and stuff that take 50% of everything that they do and it's such a grotesque thing in the art world, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like people that just like try to own artists and all that stuff. And so I'm completely DIY and like everything that I do in my brand is because I want to do it. And I, it's all self-funded and it's all, you know, every money that every dollar that's made with depressed monsters is either donated or put back into the brand to make stuff like it's not a profitable brand like yeah. it's enough to sustain itself and it's enough to pay the bills and it's enough to just make cool shit because that's all i care about and so the progression from clothing to toys was with that <clears throat> excuse me was with that in mind was cool i just got a partnership with zappos we're now on zappos so now how can i turn this money into something that i want to make okay cool i'm gonna pay wetworks you know thousands of dollars to sculpt this and then i'm going to pay him even more thousands of dollars to produce these and then i'm going to sell them i remember the designer con that i that i presented those at i sold one oh like that's how crazy the toy world is like even back then i put all this money into it and i sold one of them and i was yeah. like okay this is eye-opening and like it was one of those things that i just believed in it so much that i was like okay i sold one I know I can sell more. I, I think I had a run of 30. And I was like, fuck, like, this is so much money. What am I going to do? Blah, blah, blah. The other thing, too, was that when he shipped them to me, half of, I think, like, 25 of them were broken when I opened the box at DesignerCon. So I was like, you have to be kidding me. Like, this is just one hit after another. And so I remember that DesignerCon, I was just, like, so in the red. And so I was like, shit, what do I do now? I think the beautiful thing about sticking to your guns and sticking to and just not quitting is that eventually, um, eventually they sold out. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, that was a really cool milestone. But I think the coolest part is that um, Thursday night, 7 p.m. YouTube Live, it's Toys Alive! Toys Alive! Toys Alive! There's way cool artist unboxing. No way. Accounts under a thousand followers. What? Art out there for 30 bucks or less. Collector spotlight. Ooh, Current upcoming shows and drops. Drop. Giveaways. What? Short chats with artists. News from the hood. 100% indie all the time. That's, That's Toys, Toys Live. Toys Live. Thursday nights, 7 p.m. PST, YouTube Live. Like people. So, so when 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 the pandemic hit, I started doing live stream selling, and I started selling on on different apps, like you know, uh, like these whatnot apps and all that stuff. I started selling on one called Pop Shop because DesignerCon was on Pop Shop, 
And I got lucky because I did a late night show and mm. no one else was doing a late night show. And I had a couple of those left over and I sold those things for maybe 120 during the late night show. People were buying them for hundreds and thousands of dollars just because like everyone was like stuck inside and they, and they were finding out about the story of the brand. Some people had known the brand. They didn't have a chance to buy it before. And so it started becoming bidding wars. And it was like, it was really surreal for me. Cause I was like, Holy shit. Like this toy that didn't sell out or that I sold one of when I released it because I just held on to a couple of them of the run have become like this, this different thing now, because one it's, it's for two reasons. Like Wetworks has become highly collected. You know, he's just, he's one of the most respected toy makers in the game, in my opinion, him and, and quicks are like eye and eye to me. And, and then two people collect my stuff differently now. And so like, I just feel really lucky that like I, I held to my guns and stuck to my guns on that one because it was really demeaning to be sitting at designer con as an artist that had fans. Like I, you know, I wasn't like a small artist, like by any means in 2014, but I wasn't, I hadn't grown to make things like I make now, but also just to be sitting there and seeing other people selling is always really demeaning because you're like, well, what's wrong with me? What's mm -hmm. wrong with what I make? Like, why is it that people don't want what I'm doing or what I'm making? And so, you know, I think everything that I do is out of that, emotion of like okay well i have to prove why my my thing is worth something or why my thing is cool or why whatever because you have to you have to show people that essentially so yeah i think that the the, the leap from clothing to toys was one i i love toys i've always loved toys i wanted to be in the scene but also two um i just i i guess it was just because i thought it was cool that's that's to answer your, your question yeah. i just thought it'd be cool to jump in that scene yeah and other people i love do it and i don't know i just thought it'd be rad i still haven't made a vinyl toy like that's that's my big goal and i'm hoping to do it in the next couple of years but that's you know i just stick with resin right now yeah one of the you know i always think about that when i go to designer con um of what people like i never want to see someone at a booth not interacting with anyone especially like if i don't know you and i've never interacted with you as an artist i may pass by your table a couple times and like figure out like mm, dude, how are we going to interact here but those yeah. people that i've interacted with because of this or because of what i do or any number of things i will spend hours at your booth if we're talking the whole time like great yes um, yep. and we're going to talk about how rad your stuff is because it's just about how much i love you and your art uh, I always do fear those moments of like walking by one and they're just sitting there like waiting for someone to engage. Like, let me yeah. be that person. It's well, yeah, I feel you, dude. And, 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 um, from someone that just got back from three months of doing it, it's hard, right? Like yeah. I'm an, I'm, I'm one of those weird people that like, I can be extroverted, but I need to recharge my batteries. And if my mm -hmm. batteries aren't charged, I am the most introverted person on the planet. Like I just cannot, I can't talk. I can't physically talk. And I have yeah. just really bad social anxiety. And so I think a lot of it for that first year that I did that with my own character was that I didn't have a friend to rely on to be the salesperson. I was the artist and the salesperson. And so it's hard because like, you're sitting there and you're being completely vulnerable by putting something out that you made and that your heart and soul is in, and then you have to sell it. So you're almost like selling a part of your soul in this really weird, like fucked up way. Right. And so you just can't overthink it at the end of the day. That's what I've learned is you just can't overthink it. Yeah. You just have to like put your retail cap on. Hey, how's it going? I love your shirt. Oh my God. You know, like, and you just have to do it and it sucks and it's the worst part of the job, but it's also part of the job. I'd rather be doing that than sitting at a desk 
talking about Excel sheets, you know, like, yeah. and I've done that. Like I've, I've had every job in the book. I, 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 I've worked construction I've washed dishes in a hospital. I've, you know, I've, I've done it all. And I think that like right now I had to disappear last year to come back to terms of the fact that like, I'm choosing to do this and I love to do this. So fucking do it, man. Like, you know, yeah. like, and it's tough sometimes for sure, because like, I don't know, dude, you, you, like you see, you do see the different types of ways people run their booths, right? Like, so I just got back from, I was at Five Points Festival in Brooklyn, and that mm -hmm. was the first time I've done an, uh, an, East, an East Coast show. And that was expensive. Like you have hotel costs, you have yeah. flight costs, you have Ubers, you have food costs, you have all these things that just start piling up. And so when I got there, I was like, I have to sell, you know, yeah. like I have to, I got to pay for this trip. And so I was by some really respected artists, some really famous artists. Like, you know, there's you have you run the gamut of people that are around you. And I just put my cap on. And like I I was really um it was kind of surreal because on the on the flip side, like on the one side, I had people that were coming to an East Coast show dressed head to gear or head to toe in depressed monsters stuff just to come see me. And like yeah. in New York, you gotta travel to do that. So I'm so grateful for that. So I'll give you goodies. I'll, you know, I'll hook it up. I'll I'll, you know, hey, if you get this, I'll throw in this, like all that stuff, because I want to pay it forward and just say thank you. And I remember by the end of it, I was by this really famous artist and he goes, he's like, dude, I didn't sell a single thing today. And I go, I'm so sorry. And he goes, he's like, dude, I got to give you respect, man. Cause you hustled. And I was like, well, I looked at it, I go, dude, I had to, like, I didn't, I didn't get to just ride a subway here and like, just set up. Like I had like, there was months of preparation for this and like all that stuff. So if I didn't come here and do that, I'd be really mad at myself. And so I think like that was an eye opening thing for me to just like, to be, you know, to be given that respect of like you hustled at a show where like, you know, there's just so much competition. I was like, okay, cool. Like, I think I'm getting more comfortable with this and something that I was very uncomfortable with before. And it's been hard and it's been taxing and it's been really, really, it's been really fucking hard to get to that. Honestly, like it's not an easy thing to do like by any means. And I have so much respect for any kind of artisan that gets out there and sets up a booth and, and sells their wares, whether you're making candles or you're making paintings, like it's, it's hard to do. And there's so much competition. And so I don't know Th that five points was just, was, was a surreal trip just because like, you know, pe like I said, people were dressed head to toe in my stuff. And I had other artists that were there, um, other companies that basically were telling me that like they only started their company because they saw my live streams during the pandemic and mm. it allowed them to be goofy. And I was like, yeah, that's half the fun of what we do, you know? So like, it's just cool to see how my little character that for me is just, you know, I look at this thing and I'm just like, that's just me, you know, like, it's just, that's all it is. And for other people, it just has grown to be something else entirely. And it's, it's something that like, I don't take lightly and I try to put the necessary respect on and, and try to pay it forward where I can. So yeah. it's been a, it's been a wild year, like for sure. This has been one of the, the wilder years for, for the brand of just like growing and developing and being more comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. So, I, I mean, in how the brand has developed, you, you started, you did toys, you moved up and then different brand deals. And now working with hot topic, like what's that, this like birth and blooming of depressed monsters in the corporate sector. Now, what's that like? Yeah. Uh, I don't think that I'm giving it the necessary attention that it should honestly, because yeah. I am like, I'm such an anarchist at heart. Like I grew up listening to like Chumbawamba, which yeah. are like the dopest anarchists in the world. They're like, 
I love the Sex Pistols and the Clash growing up. Like I come from such a punk rock culture that like I don't give the necessary attention to the stuff that it needs to. And that's why I'm so happy to bring on a project manager because I'm like, okay, cool. Now like I can be my fucking weirdo punk rock self and like have the help necessary where it is, right? Like it is, it's surreal. Like it is weird to see something birthed out of, you know, surviving suicide to be on Hot Topic now in, in, in weird ways. And like, it's cool. I mean, everything had a path, right? So um, I told you I came from corporate. So I worked at Zappos for 10, seven years. And mm -hmm. I was the only employee that was um, on the site as a vendor. So like I was an employee at a company and also a vendor of the company. And so I had this weird double hat thing where they're like, hey, dude, you can't work on this shit during work hours. But if you want to like moonlight it, more power to you. So I was basically for five years there working nine to five, coming home, working six to two in the morning, just building this brand. Mm -hmm. And so the first corporate deal that I got was, was Zappos. And it was such a wild way that it came about. And then that led to Zap or to hot topic. And then that led to, you know, X, Y, Z or whatever. And now we're trying to uh, right now this year, we're, we're trying to formulate it in a, in a different way to like build out the wholesale side of it and really build out our wholesale business and build out like more licensing opportunities. And I, for me personally, I've been just studying the game a lot and trying to get better at design. Cause I, I, I didn't go to art school. Like mm -hmm. everything that I do is just like out of necessity and trying to figure out like what this is. I mean, the only reason I know Photoshop is because I bootlegged it. You know, I, I torrented yeah. CS6 like the rest of us. And I was face swapping my friends. You know what I mean? Like just do, being a dummy with Photoshop, just like all of us. And so um, now that I have like, friends that work at Adobe, it's funny to tell them that story because they're like, yeah, that's why we all work here. You know, like everybody has that same pathway with Adobe and Photoshop in general. And so I'm trying to really take it seriously now and just figure out like, what is my style with graphic design? Because I never got that opportunity to, to learn it. And so I've, I've taken a step back where I'm not doing murals as much anymore. I'm not doing, um, you know, much of anything else rather than just designing things in Photoshop and trying to get really good at that. So then that way I can kind of carry the brand forward in that way. Yeah. It's funny that you said the CS6 thing, because I for sure torrented the hell out of that. And then, hell yeah. Uh, but then the fear was like, I couldn't let it ever try to connect to anything because it wants it updated yep. it's over. <laughs> <laughs> it happened to me one time. I had to find another torrent. Yeah, I up, I remember updating it, and it was like, guess what? This program no longer works. I was like, fine, it's fine. I uh, know. I mean, and now it's like, it's at the point now where it's like, okay, I'll just pay for it. Like, yeah. if I'm building, like, I built my brand on a 2010 MacBook that didn't, that barely worked and torrented, you know, versions of Photoshop. Yeah. And then I didn't buy my first real MacBook until 2019, I think. And I was like, you know, I got, I should probably do this. Like I should probably just like pay for Photoshop and yeah. pay for a MacBook and all that stuff. And it's, it's just been funny to see like how hard I made things like in the developmental stage. But I think it's also, like I said, coming from punk rock culture, you, you have a lot of DIY prove it to myself, you know, emotions tied to it and all that stuff. Yeah. So uh, that's i mean again that's the whole reason i got in a van and did this tour this year because I, I always was jealous of like you know my other friends and bands that got to go on tour i never got to do it so i was like cool now i've done it now it's time to get back and like drive the business in different ways so yeah yeah it's been it's been a learning process this year for sure of like what i want to do what works what doesn't work and 
it's always a learning process. It's always, you know, you know that. It's just it's always fighting with yourself and trying to figure it out. Uh I I the trajectory of this of this podcast has been awesome, but we're headed towards mental health stuff and I wanted to give cool. enough time because I want to know um like all your ties to that and why that's like the big thing that we're like partnering with and stuff. But before we do that, tell me about this tour. Uh, okay. How big was it actually supposed to be? And then when did burnout start to set in where you were like, this can't happen? Yeah, great question. Um, And yeah, I definitely do want to talk about the mental health aspect of it for sure, because that has actually changed a lot for me too, okay. personally. Yeah. So like, I think that's, that's something I haven't really been able to talk about publicly. Um, So the tour um, like I said, I disappeared last year. I, um, I didn't really make anything last year. The only project that I did last year was a, uh, city of Las Vegas utility box. Um, I painted like 10 or 12 utility boxes for the city of Las Vegas. So many. <laughs> and I know, like I say that and I'm like, that is actually a really cool project, yeah. but for that's the only thing I did last year. And I, you know, like I, I just started going through my savings and I just, you know, I was just like, I need a, I think I need this year to just regroup because, mm. Um, and, and, and I'm answering your question about the tour, but I have to give preface to it first. Yeah. So that way this tour makes sense. Um, I, I told you I worked at Zappos, Tony Shea, who was the CEO died tragically in 2020. And he was a friend of mine. He was a mentor of mine. He was someone that I loved dearly that loved me in his own ways in return. Right. His love language was his love language was putting on for his friends. And so I never asked anything from Tony, but he allowed me so many different things that I'm still finding out about. And so like I told you that I was the only employee to be on Zappos. I had no idea because he never told me that it was it. Everyone said no at the company. He's the one that said yes, that made it happen. Mm -hmm. And he never told me that. And I, like it brings a tear to my eye. Cause I'm like, Jesus Christ, Tony, like what the fuck, you know, like, and he was just such a beautiful, like how, how often do you meet a billionaire? And one, I mean, how often do you meet a billionaire? Yeah. But then two, how often do you meet a billionaire that just wants people to be happy? Yeah. It's like unheard of, like that's unheard of. And he genuinely wanted that. He genuinely wanted people to be happy and, and live their truth and live their creative self of like, what do you want? And how do I make it? How do I help it? easy? Like make it easier for you. And he wasn't an artist. He wasn't a creative person by nature, but everything that he thought and everything, the way he thought was so creative in such a beautiful artistic way, right? So when he passed in 2020, I started experiencing very small, those emotions of when my grandpa passed in a different way. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a, you know, a person that I grew up with, but I kind of did. Like, you know, I worked there for almost 10 years. Like I hung out, I went to, you know, we, uh, you know, we hung out, like all that stuff. Like the last time I saw him, was uh 2019 and it was at this place called the el cortez which is like this little like really divey hotel downtown yeah. and um i remember i asked him about uh this festival that i was gonna do and it was put on by someone that they had beef like it was the guy that started life is beautiful he's a friend of mine i'm friends with tony and so i wanted to respect both of them and just see like where they were because i was kind of playing middleman i didn't want to step on anybody's toes so i i went to dinner with the guy from life is beautiful he told me the full story of what happened i was like man i am so sorry like that's crazy so then the next night i was with tony and i was like hey you know like i was out with him and i just wanted you to know like i there's an opportunity for me to do something really cool but like out of respect do you think i should do it and even though he had all this beef or whatever happened between them he just looked at me and said is it good for you 
And I said, yeah, I think it'd be a good opportunity. He goes, what does it matter? My opinion. He's like, you should do it. And I just looked at him and I'm like, I had tears in my eyes because I never really told him how much he meant to me. And no one ever did because he was an intimidating figure by nature. With, you know, like when someone's that powerful or has that much money or whatever. And so I just looked at him and I had tears in my eyes and I was like, dude, you mean so much to me. And I love you as a human being. And I'm so thankful for you. You've changed my life in ways that you will never know. And he had like, he didn't know how to deal with his emotions. So he had some tears in his eyes too, but he, he had a thing where like Fernet was his shot of choice. Like it was mm-hmm. like his introduction, like that was his thing. Like it was his initiation basically. And so he goes, let's do a shot. And so we did a shot of Fernet. And then the rest of the night, we went to this place called the bunkhouse. He, you know, it was a group of us. He bought food for everybody. And then his other love language was making soup for people. So we went back to his communal living area, which was like all Airstreams, and he made soup for us. And I remember I was out like two or three in the morning that night, which was way past my bedtime. And I was just very thankful that I got that because it was something that I didn't normally do because I was so focused on growing the brand. That was my obsession. Like I was obsessed with it. I didn't leave the house. Like I just was like focused on making this brand. And I was so glad that I decided to go out that night and have that one last memory with him because you never know when someone's going to be gone, right? So long story short, I deal with these emotions. I'm trying to figure out like, okay, like this is crazy. Two years go by. I'm still not breathing correctly because like he's still coming up in conversation. Like he's, you know, in Vegas, he's a, he's like the Wizard of Oz. Like everybody always talks about this huge loss for the community, for culture, like he just put on so heavily for people. And so last year, I think it hit me in a, in a, in a really difficult way where it was one, 10 years since I lost my grandpa. And then two, I wasn't grieving, right. The loss of Tony. And it just hit me in really, really deep and crazy ways that like, I had to just disappear because if I didn't, I was going to, um, you know, maybe self-harm or whatever was going to happen. I didn't know. And so out of respect for the brand, out of respect for what this brand has stood for, for people, out of respect for what it is evolving into, whatever, I took a step back and just was like, I had to deal with my emotions and maybe not in healthy ways, but I did deal with them and I'm, you know, healed from it now. So then this year, um, I, I it, this has been a rebuild year for me. And I know from like a social media standpoint, it doesn't look like that. From a social media standpoint, you just put the highlights, you just put like, you know, yeah. the positive. You don't get to see that like, damn, dude, I'm just happy to be here. You know, like, I'm just happy to like be alive. And so this year, um, during the beginning of it, I was like, all right, it's crunch time. Let's do it. I started working 16 hour days again. I started just like getting back on the computer. I started uh, studying design. I started studying all these different things. Um, I started figuring out what I wanted to be as an artist this year. And I was approached by this um, NFT project called the Not Okay Bears. And they decided, they, they asked me if they could use the name for us to do a co-event um called depressed and not okay and i was like usually i'm pretty i usually i say no to things like this because um you know there's just so much things like this now there's so many wellness events there's so many things of people it's almost like snake oil salesman now where it's like people are always like you know come to this event you'll be healed you'll be you know like come talk about your depression and i was just like i was careful i was trepidatious about it But after talking to them more, I realized that like their project stands for autism acceptance. And that's very important to me too. And so I was like, cool, you, you can handle that side of it. I'll just talk about my brand and and what we've done. And like, I never claimed to be anything that I'm not. And so I just know that like, you know, my brand stands for this because I've experienced this and people get their own attachments to it. People get their own experiences with it. It took me a long time to realize that and figure that out. So long story short, that event happens. I set up a booth for the first time in damn near 10 years. 
And people just were like happy to see me. And I was like, oh shit, like I'm happy to see people too. Like this is so different. And so because of that, I was I went home and I was like, I'm gonna book a tour. And I was like, like, no one tells you you can just book a tour. Yeah. You can do it yourself. You know, like you can do it yourself. Like you don't need to rely on anybody else. Like you could just do it. Like you could, if you want to go do something like book a tour, then you can do it. So I started just doing a lot of research. I started figuring out what was coming up. I started just applying to everything. I just started figuring out like a, a schedule and I started hitting, like I did a first Friday here in Vegas for the first time in May. And it was the first time I had done one in, uh, since 2011, 2012. And right away, people were coming up like, oh, my God, you did the utility boxes. You did the murals. You, you're you on Hot Topic. Yeah. All this stuff. And I was like, I was like, shit, like people remember me. Like I, I disappeared, but it doesn't mean I disappeared from other people. And that's a powerful thing to experience, you know, like to feel like you have left people physically or emotionally or spiritually. And then to be seen like that was eye opening for me where I was like, oh, shit. OK, I'm an idiot. I'm looking yeah. at this all wrong. Like, let's go, you know. And so from that first Friday. I then uh, I was accepted into like uh, like I said Five Points Festival. I figured out um, a really cool San Diego Comic Con uh, schedule, which I just got back from. I did my first signing at San Diego Comic Con, which was like I said just surreal. Um, had a line around the booth. I sketched for a full hour that I was allotted. Um, I also uh, because of the writers' strike, artists of my caliber were given more opportunities. Um, which was cool. So like, I got to like walk a red carpet for the first time, like did give interviews as an artist, like yeah. that's unheard of, but like that stuff does not happen unless we're in this current climate of like, you know, writer strikes trying to get their fair pay and stuff. And so it's just been like this really wild whirlwind of three months where halfway through I started realizing I was missing out on um, like personal things like birthdays. Like I missed my mom's birthday for the first time. Cause all my family's in Vegas and like, I don't know, like my mom's my world, you know? So like, I don't want to miss my mom's birthday. Like my parents are getting older. I love them. Like I want to spend time with them. And um, I started missing like, you know, events with friends. And like, I, I was on this, this crazy week where I had four events in one week during 4th of July week. And I, and that's the week that I told you I drove 2000 miles. Um, and I went to five different cities in the matter of like four or five days. And I ended it by going to a friend's bachelor party in Utah up in the mountains. And I was like, I hadn't slept for like two days and I'm yeah. driving that I fell asleep in a Smith's parking lot. And then the sun comes up and I drive up a mountain and then I get into the house for this bachelor party and I lay down. And as soon as I lay down, everybody starts waking up. And then I go on a five mile hike with my friends because it's the bachelor party. And I'm like, I cannot physically do this like i'm not getting any younger today's my birthday i'm getting older like i have to be like realistic about what i can and can't do and so i remember that weekend it was this beautiful weekend with like my high school friends that i've known for 20 years like just one of those like really special moments where you look around and you go i'm really blessed to know these people still and that they still love me and that i you know like that's a that's a that's a rare thing and so i i came home from that and i was like I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. And so I was supposed to go on tour with uh, Hawthorne Heights and Sayasin and, and all these like emo bands. And it was going to be really good for public outreach. But I just realized I wasn't ready for it, that I'm not ready for the the emotional turmoil that comes with it. And also from a booth standpoint, I have some work to do in my booth that like I'm going through a full rebrand right now that I had to be honest about it. Opportunities like that will always be there. But like, I won't always be here if I keep you know, working like that. 
And so I just had to be really honest about it. And I hate saying no to opportunities that I truly believe in because I think they're rare, but like even more rare is being able to even get up in the morning. So I don't know, like I just had to be honest about it. And so this is, uh, I just canceled it last week. I canceled the rest of the tour uh, this month. Instead, I'm going to do like um, uh, local things. So I just did first Friday last week. I'm starting to do my live streams again once a week and connect with like my fans there that like love to just hang out and be goofy on stream. Um, and then I have another depressing, not okay on the 12th, which I'm really excited about. So the first time that, um, this is the first time that I've curated vendors for it. So I have a list of like 15 vendors that are going to come out, show, you know, show their paintings for sometimes, you know, some people, this is the first time they've ever shown their work. Yeah. And that's like, I want to be there as a, as like a, um, a guide almost, you know, to be like, Hey, this is awesome. You're doing awesome let's, you know, like I have another event, please come out to the other event. And I don't charge them. Like it's a free, you know, if I can, if I can offer that as like a free thing to do, just so you can make money off your art. Cool. Like that's what I want to be for cultivating culture here in Vegas. Cause that's really, really friggin' important to me because nobody else is doing it. Like the, Vegas is such a town devoid of culture that like, if I'm not doing it, then who is, then who's going to, to, to step up and do that for other artists. Cause no one did it for me. I wish someone had helped me in that way. So I want to be able to do that for, for other people because I think it's important. Yeah. Which man, that's thank you for telling me all that. And it's your birthday. You did yeah. this interview yeah. on your birthday. Happy birthday. Man. I mean, this is, thank you, dude. I mean, this is the best birthday present I can get. I love, I love doing podcasts and I've been looking forward to speaking with you and it just kind of worked out that it was today, which is nice. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy. One to hear that you were going to go on tour with Seosin and Hawthorne Heights, like the emo inside me from when I was a kid, I remember seeing them at an underground uh, show venue in Fresno, California, and not knowing nice. who the hell they were and seeing them and then all of a sudden buying their first albums. And it was like, what is happening here? It was cool. That's so sick, dude. Yeah, I mean, that music's really important to me. I um, I think the first time that uh, my eyes opened to the brand was I was hanging out with Burt McCracken from The Used. Mm -hmm. He would, I had, a, I had a friend that used to go on tour with them and make clothing for them. And so he was always gracious enough to be like, hey, Ryan, come hang out with us. And I was like, okay. And so Bert like kind of became a friend. And um, I have a picture of, of us together where he's wearing a Yerman shirt. And I was like, damn, like this band saved my life in college, literally. And now I'm like, I get to just be around him and like be backstage with them. And like, it was just surreal. And yeah. so that's, that was kind of like the emotions that I went into with this, where it was like, cool. Now I get to be a part of the experience for other people you know, finding emo music or enjoying it and all that stuff. And I, and I was really excited about it, but like, I'm just not ready for it right yeah. now. And it sucks. Like, I wish I was like, I'm, I have an email right now in my, e in my, in my inbox where it's like, I might like, I'm, I'm like going back and forth on it where I'm like, should I just do one of them? Should I just do one of the dates? Like just yeah. experience it. And I'm like, I just don't know if I can, like, I was supposed to like, it was supposed to be like a 10 city tour with them of like, I think we're going to like Ohio, Tennessee, uh, California, uh, like just all these different cities. Lake Tahoe was one of them. And I, and I just, you know, it just got to a point where I couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, if you do do one show, make California the show, make, make Southern California the show. We'll all yeah. Know. 
Yeah, it was uh, Silverado, California. You know where that is? I don't know where that's at. Is that Southern California? No, I don't. Yeah, think I didn't so. even look at the. I don't think so either. I'd never heard of it because I'm a West yeah. Coast guy. So like, you know, I I know California pretty well, and yeah, I've never heard of it either. But I don't know. I want to so bad just because that music's so important to me. And plus, it's like all bands. I think Alkaline Trio's playing it. Mm. Bad Religion's on it. Uh, like all these bands, I just grew up worshiping. You know, like yeah. skating to and stuff. Like it, I don't know. It's tough. It's really tough to say no to an opportunity like that because I feel like what I'm trying to rebrand Depressed Monsters into just falls so much in line with that culture and emo music in general that I'm like embracing it more because I've. I think I've just been so isolated in the approach that it's like, now I know what to kind of tie the horse to and be like, no, like it is an, I have an emo brand. You know what I mean? Like it is an emo brand, even from the designs or the look and feel, or just me as a person, like that's what it is. And so that was the whole idea with it. But yeah, I don't know, maybe next year. I'm hoping next year. Yeah. And this fits right into the conversation going towards the mental health side of depressed yeah. monsters and, and, and really the, the purpose that you've kind of given this and built into this brand and, and tell us a little bit about what that's like, like what open up about this, how these are so intertwined, this mental health thing and Yerman and how it all works together. Yeah. I think it's been, for me personally, it's been a journey. Um, I kind of got thrust into it. Like, I'm not going to lie. I kind of got thrust into it. Um, the whole reason this brand exists is, well, one, I already told you because my grandpa, but the only reason it exists as a brand is because I put my story on a blog post that I think is still up. And it was basically just detailing like, Hey, I know you bought a shirt of this character or you've seen me posting about it, but like, this is what it actually is. And I started, Mm -hmm. and I detailed the story about my grandpa in like this really long blog post. And people just like were so supportive and just like, holy shit, I knew something was, was, uh, you know, like with it, but I didn't realize like the depth of it. Right. And so, um, it was like, it was crazy to just be like, okay. Um, you know, um, I, this was scary to do, but I put the blog post out, like, I'm glad people are being kind about it. And then all of a sudden I get a call from the Jed foundation and they go, Hey, we saw your blog post. Someone shared it. We saw it. We want to invite you out to craft your story into a motivational talk with the moth. And I was like, damn, dude, like I listen to NPR all the time. Like I love the moth. Like that's cool. And so I was like, all right, cool. And it happened to coincide with a work trip that I was already taking uh, for Zappos. And so I was like, okay, I'll just double it up. I'll stay an extra week and do the moth thing. Then I'll go do the work trip or whatever. And so, um, so I, I remember uh, this was 20, I think this was 2014, 2013, maybe 20, maybe even before that. I can't remember. Everything kind of like is, is lumping together at this point. But I remember it was the winter time and I didn't pack right for it. So like my shoes were like, I, I wore like Roches. Remember like the, the Nike Roches, yeah. like mesh shoes or whatever. Everyone's like making fun of me. They're like, dude, you're slipping in the snow. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm from the <laughs> desert. And I remember being just so scared and so intimidated, but also like feeling like, okay, this is my grandpa. Like this is my yeah. grandpa laying out a path for me, I feel like. So I'm going to take this seriously. I was scared to death. I went to, I was in this little warehouse in Brooklyn and this is going to sound, I don't usually tell this story because it sounds kind of like supernatural almost, but mm-hmm. I believe in these things. And so I think it's important to talk about. I'm a spiritual person, like by nature. I think it's important to talk about this stuff. And like I said, I think art is supernatural and spiritual in nature. So I remember um, we had one day where it was basically the moth being like, 
hey, this is what we do. These are the stories. We're going to have some examples, all that stuff. You know, tonight, just go back to your hotel and, you know, relax. But tomorrow is when the work begins. And I was like, all right, cool. So the first day was very just like, cool. I'm just getting comfortable with my skin. They're doing like interviews with us because they're going to share them. So like we were working with like Sachi and Sachi, which is like a big medical provider and all that stuff. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like, I, I can't believe I get to do this. And so I remember going home that night or it's back to the hotel and I was just like relaxing. I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take this seriously tomorrow. I started thinking of ideas of like, all right, well, I know the story because it's my story. My grandpa died. He was this, how much do I want to tell? How much am I comfortable telling? And I go to sleep. I wake up the next day. And I, I told you that uh, my grandpa was a 33rd degree Mason, right? He has always communicated with me through lights and through the mason symbology and all that stuff there's always lanterns and so i have a feeling that maybe something he learned is about communicating through lights i don't know there's a lot of theories about the masons i i don't know like i went to him i went with him for one for one meeting mm -hmm. you can read about it on my blog um i he he tried to he tried to bring me in from a first degree standpoint it wasn't for me it is what it is right so i think i think what I believe this. I don't know if it's true. Again, like everyone has their their ways of people communicating from the afterlife. For me, it's lights. Whenever I think about him or talk to him or you know want to talk to him, lights flicker. Um, there's been very there's been a lot of moments of this, um, and I'm only saying this stuff so maybe this makes more sense when I tell the actual story. But we went to a remembrance for him at the Masons um, Hall, the Mason Hall here here in Vegas. This was probably like two years after he passed. They're they're putting a painting of him in the in the lodge. And I was with my grandma, I was with my uncle, who's also a Mason, as my aunt and all this stuff. And we were sitting there. As soon as they said his name, the light above me and my uncle started flickering. And we were the two that went with him to a meeting. And I was like, okay. And everybody noticed it. Like, it wasn't just us. It was like, okay. Like, everyone was like, oh, hey, Casey. You know what I mean? Like, and so I was like, yeah. okay, this has happened to me, like, separately. And I told my uncle that. And, you know, it's hard to tell people that stuff because sometimes they don't buy into it or they don't believe it and all that stuff. But, and I was like, okay. That's weird. So I'm in Brooklyn. I take the train in. I, you know, I go into the warehouse for the second day of this stuff. And I'm nervous. And I do this thing where like the morning time, they you're working one-on-one -on -one with someone from the moth. They're helping you craft your beats. They're helping you, you know, outline your story and all that stuff. And then the afternoon was when you practice it in front of everybody. And then that night is when you do it for real with cameras and in front of a live audience and you know, with their mellow guitar music and all that stuff, yeah. right? So I'm, I'm fucking scared, dude. Like I am just like, I'm praying. I'm like, I'm trying to talk to my grandpa, like all this stuff. So we had this break before it was after we crafted our stories. It was before we were supposed to tell them in front of the class and all this stuff. And I went outside and I closed my eyes and I was like, I was like, please just, you know, if it, just give me a sign that I'm doing the right thing. Cause I was nervous. I didn't want to tell us if, if it wasn't respectful, I didn't want to tell a story that might disrespect the, you know, the memory of my grandpa. And so I, I always want to be respectful. And so I, I remember just like, I was like closing my eyes and I, I feel the snow on me. I feel the coldness of, of the winter in, in New York. And I was like, all right, I, I feel like, I feel at peace right now. I'm just going to go do it. So I go back inside and I was so nervous that like, they're asking what order they want everyone to go in and people are like, I'll go next, I'll go next. And so I'm trying to go second to last because if you're second to last, you get forgotten because people only remember the last person, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm about to go second to last and I go to put my hand up and someone jumps up and goes in front of me. I go, you have to be kidding me. Now I'm the last person. I This sucks. So, I, cause I didn't have a lot of like public experience, you know, public speaking experience. 
So this is where it gets crazy. And again, like you can, you know, say this is hoopla or whatever, but this actually happened. Uh, we are the the person st- ends and they kill it. Like they are just their story is so good. I'm like, ah, shit. Like we'll see, like what what happens now. Yeah. So I go up there and I start my story and I I tell it in a more like I tell it with more details than I tell it on podcasts or interviews. Like I'm actually getting into the emotions of it, all that stuff, right? And so I'm about a minute into it and then i say my grandpa's name and all of a sudden i kid you not the lights start flickering in in the entire building and then the the heater behind me or in front of me i can't remember starts shaking and explodes mm. and everyone just starts looking around so they had to like reboot this system the yeah. heater was fried and everyone's like dude what was that and like everyone's like that's your grandpa and i was like i i, I thought so too right so ever since that moment i was like damn, like, what am I here on earth to do? Like, is it like, what is it? Like, I, I'm trying to figure it out. And so long story short that, you know, that that event went off, we did the moth thing. And so from then on, I was like, okay, well, then I guess I'm gonna start doing public speaking. And so then I got hired by like colleges. And like, I would go tell the story of Yerman. I, you know, the one I did right before the pandemic, I got hired to do a talk at the uh, College of North Dakota. So I was like, I went to North Dakota in the middle of winter. Like it was Fargo. I went to Fargo. It was so yeah. cold. And so I was doing that for a while, but I I wasn't being honest about like what it is. Like I never wanted to be a mental health advocate. It's not something that I wanted to do because I don't think I have any right to like tell people, you know, oh, this is how you do it. Or this is like, no, like it's such a personal thing that happens to people that all I wanted to do was share my story and just hopefully somebody can connect with it. And I think along the way, I kind of got lost. And I think this happens to everybody that is in this industry. You battle your ego. And I think that like, I had a big ego at the beginning of this brand. I thought I was the shit. I was like, yeah, I'm doing it. No one else is doing it. Because there really wasn't a lot. There wasn't anybody, any other mental health brands at the time. Like there really wasn't. Like there was To Write Love on Her Arms that had started in the early 2000s that you would see at Warp Tour and stuff. And that was my inspiration. Like I loved that brand. And I would always see it at festivals and like, you know, Warp Tour and stuff like that. And so I think that's where I kind of got inspired for the brand. Mm-hmm. And then like there was, there was just no other things happening. And so I was like, well, shit, I'm the one doing it now. Cool. Like, and I started just like being kind of shitty, you know, I would just like, I, I, you know, I was going to therapy and all this stuff. And I would like, you know, kind of do that thing where you kind of use therapy terms and like all that stuff and everybody does it. And so it wasn't until recently that I started just like really opening my eyes and just being like, fuck you, Ryan, like take the ego out of this shit. You know, like, I think it was like 2019 that I really started opening my eyes and the pandemic just being so isolated. And then now recently this year, I'm like, fuck off, dude. Like, this isn't about you, man. It's never been about you. It's been about the character and it's been about the work and it's been about just like, if your story can help somebody, then that's what's important. And that's That's... kind of my, my, my path with like the mental health side of it. Yeah, which is incredible because it like, you're using past experiences. I mean, trauma helps heal others, right? Self-trauma helps heal so many. And But so, then you start to romanticize it. Yeah. Is what happens. So you start romanticizing your trauma and you start using it against people almost. Oh, my trauma's more hurtful than yours or my or yeah. I'm I'm more pained and it's just not fair. Like you right. have to respect other people's experiences and you have to like be able to respect that like people's depression and anxiety feels different and it's the most personal thing ever like when i'm anxious i start sweating <coughs> excuse me sorry i start sweating and getting hot i can't think straight i start getting dizzy but that's not how someone else's anxiety feels 
my depression feels different than other people's depression. And so like, I think right. just taking the ego out of it and realizing that like, all I'm supposed to do here is make things and just tell my story and just, that's it. Like really helped because nobody can heal you. It's just not possible. A therapist can't heal you. A doctor can't heal you. All you can do is do the work and just hopefully you're, you're on a journey that you can eventually see, like, see the light. I feel like that's been my yeah. experience anyway. And it's crazy too to most people don't get to the point where they're like calling out their own ego, but you were able to not only like start the healing process, do all this stuff, help get your story out there, but then also check yourself in the midst of it, which is an, an incredible twist to that. I, it, it's been hard, man. Like, I'm not going to lie. It's been extremely difficult to live in these emotions and, and look at the wrongs that I've done in the past. Like, I've had to apologize to exes. I've had to apologize to ex-friends. I've had to just really just, like, I've just had to just be honest. And yeah. that was the hardest thing for me because I grew up in a, in a, in a, my childhood was so full of, like, lying all the time. And, and I learned, you know, as an adult, like you grow up in Vegas, you start working in nightclubs, you start, you know what I mean? Like, it's easy yeah. to get lost in that and kind of be a shitty dude. And I never wanted to admit that I was a shitty dude. I just never wanted to admit it. And it's yeah. like, once you can kind of just be like, you know, maybe I did hurt somebody and, and, and maybe I need to just come to terms with that. And, and just like the, I think the most important thing you can do is just be honest because you never want someone to feel like their experience is negated. I, I, for me personally, that's very important. Like I never wanted to negate someone else's experience in any way. And so if I did something, I want to own up to it. Like I, that, I, and if, if you want to accept that, that's, that means the world to me. And if you don't, that's your journey. And, and there's nothing I can do about that. And that's been the most freeing thing because like, you know, it's just not up to me anymore. It's just all I can do is just be honest and try to be as as um, as honest as possible. Yeah. With all of this, like the growth of your brand, diving into this and this beautiful step into honesty, which can be the most hard thing ever to have to do. Oh, yeah. Um, And then looking at where you've come and where you're headed the overarching question, what's next for Depressed Monsters? I think uh, – I, I, I mean, that's – so I think I want to be more confident in my designs, right? So, like, mm -hmm. that's the most important thing to me is I want to be more confident in what I'm putting out there. And a lot of that has to do with just researching and studying and and just figuring out what my look and feel is going to be going forward because I'm it's – to the immediate answer is a rebrand. So mm -hmm. I'm rebranding the entire thing right now. I just re I just built an entirely new website for the past couple. When I was on tour, I would just go to coffee shops and and, and build a website. And it's, it, the the beta version is up now. Uh, it, it shows the brand in a different way. On desktop, it shows this really cool video that my buddy Dalton filmed when I was painting a mural to show that it's like this is a clothing brand, but it's also artist run, which I think is important um, because it's such a you know it's it's different than like other brands yeah. and if you go on mobile it shows your one of my sculpts like spinning which is cool to show the character and all that stuff so i think the immediate answer is a rebrand and also a regroup like i want to figure out what it is that i want this brand to be going into 2024 and so right now i'm working on a winter collection that i'm excited about we're going to start doing drops for the first time mm -hmm. um i've always like uh, the way i've done my brand is such like illuminati mason you know, like if you know, you know, type thing. Like if you yeah. happen to be on the website, maybe you can pick something up. And so I need to be better about just like 
this is the drop. It includes X, Y, Z, you know, if you want it cool, like, thank you for supporting me. Um, also like more varied product selections. So yeah. I've been very focused on like putting a design on a t-shirt and here you go. But now like I'm exploring like what it is going forward. Is it like, I don't want to say we are doing this, but if you read between the lines, like, is it bootleg shoes? Is it jewelry? Is mm -hmm. it, um, you know, what is it? And is it more cut and sew? Do we have something where it's like, yeah, you can get a $40 t-shirt or a mystery bag or whatever, but I also want to offer a hundred dollar cut and sew really cool designer piece because yeah. that's cool to me. Like I'm super inspired by, I worked in couture for a couple of years there at Zappos and I'm super inspired by designers like Vivian Westwood who, you know, outfitted the sex pistols and, and has like this crazy, just cool look. And you know, when you have a Vivian Westwood piece, I want people to know when they have a depressed monsters piece. So it's, it's almost like the way I look at it is like, everything leading up to this was the brand growing up, like it was the child years, it was the teenage years. Now depressed monsters is an adult, and I need to treat it as such like, what is this brand looking like as a grown up? Like I've been fortunate enough to do be doing this for a lot longer than most people. Like running a brand is fucking hard and it's it's not easy. And the fact that I've been able to do this for damn near 10 years now is a testament to like, yes, hard work, but also like the way people receive the brand and the way mm -hmm. people care about the brand. It's more about, to me, it's more about putting on for the people that have fucked with me for so long and making them proud. And that's that's what gets me up in the morning is like, how can I make stuff that like, you're proud to wear and that like, again, from the Illuminati standpoint, if you see another Yerman on someone's shirt, it's a you know, you know, type thing. I don't have to be out there putting I'm depressed and cool on a shirt for you to know yeah. that I'm a mental health brand, because people are doing that. And it's so phony. And it's yeah. so goddamn phony to me. And so I never want to devolve the brand into that because to me, that is so lazy and stupid because you're basically just buying into a social cause at that point. And I'm sorry, but like, that's not what this brand is. That's not what this brand will ever be. Like it is a, if you know the story, if you know the touch points to the brand, that's more important to me because then it's a lifestyle and it's, it's, it's something you can grow with along with me because I'm so open about like my own journey and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy. Cause like I try not to get mad or angry about it, but there's just so many brands that rip me off and do that stuff where it's like, they take like, like I, I was, dude, I was in uh, Oceanside um, two weeks ago for tour and I'm jogging down the, or I'm walking down the beach and I see someone in my shirt with the Skelehart on the back. And I was like, dude, that's fucking crazy. Two minutes later, I'm at the coffee shop and I'm working. Someone walked by with a ripoff of the Skelehart shirt. It was like a half Skelehart. And I was like, dude, I've had that designed copywritten since like 2013, I think. Yeah. Because- Again, I'm super inspired by designer toys. So I was being inspired by cause and, and anatomy and all that stuff. And so I can't like take full credit, but it's also like a trademark of my brand. And so it was just crazy. Like the universe, if you pay attention, the universe will show you funny little things like that. Like to, to be in a, a different city and see someone skating down the boardwalk in my shirt and then immediately after see a ripoff of that shirt was like, come on, like. That's yeah. funny. Like you gotta laugh at that shit. Yeah. So I think I would have gotten mad about stuff like that before, but it's also like now it's like a testament to like, all right, just keep fucking doing it, man. And if yeah. if someone's gonna rip you off and do it better than you, then you didn't deserve it in the first place. I feel like. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what the rebrand looks like. I'm assuming you're keeping Yerman as your main guy. I'm uh, not actually. Yeah. Oh no. Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So. 
Yeah, that's kind of I guess that's the bomb of this podcast. Um, yeah, so I'm actually <laughs> if you moving made it a to little this point. Yeah, yeah. If you made it all the way here to my crazy ramblings, um, yeah. So the, I think the big thing is like um moving away from just doing Yerman all the time has been super okay. freeing. And also like I'm moving more into more of a general look for some stuff of like like we already talked about this. It's hard to sell a brand built off of one IP. So mm. I need to start differentiating this with more characters and also like a trademark look that is um familiar enough, but also uniquely mine. Yeah. And that's what I've been exploring lately. And it's been really cool and freeing. Um, if you go to the website, depressedmonsters.com, you can kind of see a preview of it. Uh, it's just a placeholder, but it's kind of where we're moving and all that stuff. And yeah, it's been kind of cool. Like Yerman will always be the main character, but it's like, I'm just tired of using the same Yerman. Like this has been, I don't, there's not video on this podcast, but like if if you know my brand at all, you know, the, like the trademark Yerman, like this yeah. is the one that everybody knows. And it's, you know, it's the look and feel of the brand, but it's been like that for 10 years. It's time to kind of like, that is still the look of the brand, but now it's time to like make it into something a little bit different. Oh, that's so crazy. Um, to think that this is, it's going to shift a little bit, but I'm excited to see what's coming because you've got that passion. It's I that's the the hard part about this podcast. It doesn't have video, uh, and I just refuse to put video up no matter what. But the cool thing about it is I get to now say like, no, no, I can see the passion and the glow and the like blow up that's happening in, on screen right now about how excited you are for what's next. That's that's a very sweet couple. You're a very very nice person. Thank you. That's that's very sweet. <laughs> um, so I had uh, two uh, little glimpses from all the things that you've talked about uh, today uh, that I wanted to share. Um, one, when I was in high school, Obey wasn't huge. He was still in his wall art phase. Yeah. And uh, I, what's Shepherd Fairy? Is that his name? Yep, Shepherd um, Fairy. Yep. He hung. So I grew up in Fresno, California small uh -huh. podunk town um there was an ob obey piece that he put up i guess he was going through and it was on the side of like this weird i don't know if it was like a like a small building or a, like a giant electrical thing whatever but it was there and then but no one he wasn't huge in fresno right. and it got <laughs> yeah, taken yeah. down which is so crazy Huge and Fresno is a great brand name if anybody wants to steal that. There you go. Huge and Fresno. That's the next podcast. Huge and <laughs> yeah, Fresno. Man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. And I, and we, like, I've gone back several times. There's not even remnants of it. And I, like, everything in me is like someone probably figured out how to get it off the wall and took it. Yeah. Or yeah. some destructive hick of a person that, like, lives in Fresno was like, this can't be here. And, like, <laughs> yeah, ripped it off. Yeah, and it's crazy because if you if you go on eBay, sometimes you'll see people list like ones they've taken off the walls and stuff, and they're yeah. they're kind of cool to see. I remember when I was working uh, downtown in in Vegas in like 2012, 2013 timeframe. Uh, he came through on just one of his tours or whatever, and he yeah. put he got up on this crazy spot that was on the side of a building, and nobody touched it. It was there for years until the sun destroyed it, and yeah. it was like a it was like a a statement piece. And I was like, "Fuck, man, that's so cool!" And then now years later, I think in like 2018, 2019, he was invited to do like a huge piece on the side of uh, this place called Emergency Arts. And uh, it's like now it's just like it's cool to see yeah. the respect given to him because he deserves it. I mean, the dude is just a monster when it comes to this game. It's cool seeing artists do that, like Invader. Uh, Space yeah, I love Invader. It. Yeah, I, he I has it's... a couple pieces in San Diego, um, but you don't know where like he has that app 
where you can like find all the different ones. Uh, there's some kind yeah. of app that goes along with it, but um, I don't have the app, so I only see them if I'm just randomly looking up. And so to see that on the wall and be like, oh, that's cool, uh, and then not tell anyone about it is my favorite thing. Like that's yeah, just for that's me. cool. I know, um, and he's like, I know his stuff goes for like millions on auction yeah. blocks and stuff, and it's just there in public. It's so cool. Uh, number two, Tony Shea, and it's cool to hear how um, close you were with him. Uh, his book has forever changed how I do everything, delivering happiness. Um, yeah. It has forever changed how I care for people, forever changed how my job um, functions as I look to like what people need, how I can serve them. Um, and just like how I serve my own soul and even yeah. parts of how I correct certain people when they are like, Hey, what do you think about this? It's like, uh, one of his things is like, never outsource your core competency. So like, if you're yeah. really good at doing this thing, like stop trying to get other people to do it because you're too lazy, like do that. Yep. And Damn, so, dude, you really do know his stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. And so it's, it's cool like full circle, like we read it in like 2016. And so full circle to now have you on in 2023, where it's like someone that knew him firsthand and then being able to say like, oh, this guy forever changed me. So it's, it's cool. He to did. See. I think, and I think he's become a part of my story with the brand now too, which is, which is wild. I never, I, I, I just always thought he'd be here. You know, yeah. I think that's like the, like I'm trying not to cry right now, but like it, like it's it's sad. Like you just always think that a person of like that caliber is just always going to be there in your corner. Yeah, you know. And then he, you know, what happened to him is so tragic, and it could happen to any of us. Yeah. And you know, it 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 it's it sucks to like read hit pieces about him now. You know, yeah. and and you're like, dude, that was like you have no idea. And like I've been, I you know, I shared a video around the time that happened of just sharing my experiences and be like, I'll miss you forever, buddy. Like whatever and like all of a sudden you get hit hit up by like reporters looking for like an, an exclusive you're like fuck you like no this is yeah. this is not a story that is that we we want to tell and it was interesting to see like like i got a lot of flack for sharing my story because i think the thing about tony is that like um he was such a powerful uh, uh beam of light that people wanted to contain it and mm -hmm. people wanted to bottle it up and keep it for themselves. And you saw that in his afterlife too, because like, I didn't know this, but I guess there was a ton of people that were mad at me because I shared my story. Like you weren't friends with them. You didn't do, I go, I just shared my personal experiences with him. I never said anything other than like, this is what we had. Like, yeah. and I think that's okay to do. Right. But it it is just funny how like death can bring out the worst in people sometimes. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's so sad because all that man wanted was for people to be happy and loved and find their tribe. That was his big, he was a burning man guy, you know, like yeah. he just loved people. He just loved people. And if you read his book and you read his book and you read about like the Vegas tech stuff, like I was there for all of that stuff, like uh, fringe, you know, for a lot of it, but I was also there. And like, just to see like, inviting entrepreneurs out and to, you know, come out and, Hey, if you have an idea, I want to, I want to put money behind it. And he was just childlike. And that's what I loved about him is like, that's what I try to retain in my own work is like, keep the childlike wonder. And I feel like the rest will follow essentially. And yeah. I just learned so many lessons from him and just even the smallest things that he did. And like, 
I don't know. Like he just, he just really was a special, special human being. And him and my grandpa were so similar in that sense that like they both just wanted people to be loved and happy. And I've always really affiliated myself with that. I use humor as a way to like bridge the gap with people and stuff. And obviously I haven't been funny on this podcast because this is more of a serious conversation. Um, But like, I think that like for a lot of us, like Robin Williams, Anthony Bourdain, um, Tony, my grandpa, whoever, a lot of us use that to make people feel accepted and loved when really we might be hurting on the inside too. And then it's not until afterwards you go, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know they were experiencing that thing. You know, and it's like, just, you know, if you have someone in your life that maybe is doing that, maybe tell them you love them, you know, maybe just tell them how much they mean to you, or maybe just tell them that they're, they're good how they are. Cause you know, sometimes I wish I was told that. And I think all of us do. And, uh, it's an important thing to do. Yeah. The hard part is people that are connectors like that or are loving or are just like walking beams of light. Um, yeah. They help you forget the fragility of life. So you think that like, man, they're going to be here forever. And then when the fragility mm-hmm. of life gets them, it's like, man, that was unfair. Like that is unreal. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, I went through so much uh, strife with this and dealing with this where I was like, why him? Why not me? You know what I mean? Like, it's just shit like that because he just had so much to give. He had so much more to give the world. And it sucks that that was robbed from not only him, but us because he was just getting started, man. Like he was ready to he was ready to go off from Zappos and start doing other work in the world. And, um, you know, you're exactly right. The fragility of life affected him in a way that doesn't affect some other people and and life's hard man like i don't look down on anybody with addiction issues i don't look down on anybody for nothing man like addiction happens drug addiction happens emotional addiction happens all these things happen and i just come at it from a place of i'm sorry you're like it's it's hard to get through life you know it really is and i miss that dude a lot and uh it's nice to have conversations like this to just like you know, remind myself about them. But also like even at Comic-Con, I was talking to somebody because I didn't know anybody at these events that I went to. I just had to put yeah. on my cap and go, I'm going to make friends. I just have to at this point. And I was at this, the fandom party, which is like, it's like the big party of Comic-Con or whatever that I got lucky enough to to go to. And I saw a guy dressed as the Mad Hatter and I was like, that's my guy. And so I went over and yeah. I was just like, hey man, like good, you know, whatever. Turns out he worked for the con, but also turns out his wife used to work for a company that was heavily inspired by Zappos, and she almost worked at Zappos. And so we just started talking. She loved Tony like the same, all this stuff. And we actually took a uh, Fernet shot in honor of Tony at Comic-Con because his legacy lives on. And to me, again, like I've said this before in the podcast already, but like I'm a big believer in the universe shows you a path. And that was Tony speaking to me from beyond like these, he, his big phrase for us was serendipitous collisions. Mm -hmm. That's what he truly believed. And he designed the Zappos building in a way that you can only enter from like two or three areas. So that way you were forced to walk in with people and have conversations and make new friends. He was just a, he was just a beautiful person. He was just a, he was always thinking about how can I make people more comfortable? How can I make people feel, you know, alive and happy and and even things like that, you know, like who thinks of that, who thinks to buy an old city hall and close off all the entrances. So you have to enter from two areas to make new friends. It's insane. It's, it's just beautiful. And I try to carry that on in my work. 
whenever I have to do customer service side of things, I always try to make sure that I think of Zappos and I always put so many freebies. And if, if you order from my brand, I always put so much free stuff in there just because you're, you're, you know, supporting me. How can I support you is my, is my big mantra with this brand. And, you know, I just don't want that to ever be lost. Like I, 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 like I said, I didn't go to art school, but I fucking went to business school, man. And that was yeah. Zappos.com, dude. Like, and I got lucky that my professor was one of the best to ever do it. Yeah. So incredible. Um, dude, I thank you so much for coming on Toys on Tap today. It's yeah, been thanks so for good. having me. Yeah, it's um, been great. The last part of the podcast, I like to split, and it's just the last piece that I love to give the artists where you get to plug everything that's coming up how people can get in contact with you, where we can buy your stuff, all that stuff. So, Okay. Will you make me a promise, though? Oh, uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> okay. If I announce something on this show, I you need to promise me that you won't just slice that part and put it up. Like if people – I want people to just find this part if they listen to the whole thing. Oh, deal. I don't slice any of my okay. episodes up for that cool. reason. Yeah. Cool. Um, cause this has been something I've been nervous to announce. Um, okay. First of all, you can find me at depressed monsters, pretty much all social platforms. Um, Instagram is the main one for me. Uh, probably start making a TikTok push next year. Um, cause fuck TikTok, but unfortunately we have to be there. And, uh, so you can find me on all that stuff. Um, you depressedmonsters.com If you want to buy stuff, I do a weekly live stream shopping, uh, experience. So it's every Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, where you can just come hang out with me. We do a lot of fun stuff. Like behind me, I have a vintage mood analyzer. So on the stream, I will analyze your mood. Uh, it's really fun. <laughs> like, it's really fun. I try to make them goofy and like an experience. You know, yeah. If you're spending a couple hours with me, like the least I can do is make it fun for you. And I'm super inspired by Pee Wee's Playhouse. And I always have been. And so like, I try to make it like, that's why I have this backdrop with like a giant pretzel and the big so urban and stuff like that. Like, I just want it to be fun for people. So the big announcement, I guess, is that um, during the pandemic, um, I was, you know, feeling lost. I was feeling lonely. And I had an opportunity to submit for a reality show. And I was like, oh, this will never happen. Like, whatever. It's like a goofy dating show. I was like, I just want to get out of the house. Turns out I got picked and I filmed for two months um, in Vancouver. And it's like, it's just like this super frigging goofy, like dating show or whatever. But I look at everything that I do as performance art. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a performance art piece for me. It was never supposed to be released ever. But because of the writer's strike, um, they're releasing all these shows Hell and they yeah. shelved. And so it's coming out next week, August 15th on MTV. If you go on MTV, the commercial's coming up every like 20 minutes. And I'm in the promo uh, looking, I, I am in the promo saying I'm done and walking off. So I guess I'm going to be the drama of the show. But the the exciting part for me is that I got to wear my Depressed Monsters hoodie on like some key parts of the show. So I'm hoping that people discover the brand that way. And it's not like over, it's not beating it over your head. It's just like, hey, if you if you like me and you want to see the brand, like there it is. And so, yeah, it's just, it was born out of basically necessity to survive and do something different. And like I said, I treat everything in my life as performance art and everything is art. And so this is now a performance art piece that I did two years ago that just happens to be on MTV now. I'm not splicing shit. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. basically, if you got made it to the end of the show, I hope that like, you know, tune in if you want. It's going to be, it's definitely different than anything I've done in the past. <laughs> awesome, dude. I cannot wait. This comes out on Monday. So it's like the perfect. Yeah. Push. So then that comes out on Tuesday. So yeah, it's a perfect timing for it. 
Perfect, perfect. Dude, thank you. And I'll you post, again. I'll post like, hey, like made a big announcement in this one, but you got to make it to the end to hear it or whatever. <laughs> dude, I need to release you. it, dude. Like, I haven't released anything on social about it because I'm scared. Because obviously that changes how people perceive like perceive me, right? Like now it's a different thing. And I I yeah. love this time where it's like I know something and you don't, and like yeah. I don't want to be perceived as like whatever you know i just want to be perceived as an artist and it does change that a little bit but i think i can do a good job of being like this is a performance art piece like i did this out of necessity blah 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 so we'll see what happens i don't know it's just so funny i think that's the selling point if it becomes actually who you are and who you become is this like role you played man depressed monsters is going to take a weird turn in the future it's going to take a weird turn bro i know i know (laughs) Oh my God. But I'm ready. I, you know, like I said, the universe provides whatever I'm just on the path, man. Like I have no, I don't know where anything's heading. I'm just here. I'm just here enjoying the ride. So every day that I get to wake up and my bills are paid, that's, that's a blessing, yeah. you know? And if I can help someone along the way, then that's cool too. Long live Tony Shea. Long live Tony Shea. And I can tell you on this side of it, we are blessed because you are here living life. So uh, Thank you, bro. That's dude. You are. I want to do another one of these podcasts just to talk to you. You are like the nicest person on the planet. <laughs> hey, I'm always game. I'm always game for that. I love uh, doing this. So I'm always game. We'll bring you back on after you do full rebrand and everything. <sighs> yeah, I'm down. we'll come back. on. That sounds good. And then you're always welcome on that Twitch stream that I do uh, with with the dudes. I, I'm not usually on it anymore, but Josh yeah. would love to interview you, I'm sure. We you know, I I think I might have sent them a message about it. Um, not that long ago, maybe a year ago, maybe it has been a long time, but it's hard to figure out how you collab on things, especially stuff like that. I agree. Yeah. Well, it's and- easy now because you just let me know if you want to do it and I'll send a text message to him and you can be on it this week if you want. Let me think about it. Cause I think that's a yeah. good idea. <laughs> yeah. Why not dude? It's fun. Like they're, they're, yeah. they're easy to talk to again. I, I kind of quit. Uh, I kind of quit doing it just because of my own, you know, burnout and mental health stuff but they're still doing it and i'm sure they'd love to have you dude thank you thank you thank you thank you again for coming on yeah dude thank you so much man this has honestly been i would say the most um freeing podcast i've ever done just because you have really good energy to you and positivity and you can always tell when someone's a good person and and i appreciate the nice things you said it really meant a lot to me so thank you Mm.